Farm Talk on C103 with Dairy Gold Prime Elite Roomy Force Calf Cube. Maximize calf performance and health at grass by optimizing the function of the rumen. Welcome to the Dairy Gold Farm Talk program with John O'Connor. Later in the program, Chagask advice on grazing and other matters, the IFAG Irish Farm Survey, and of course Cork West Ploughing, and the Carberry Macra Fortnightly Report. Our top story will be Liam Leahy, Beef and Tillage Manager, Dairy Gold Agribusiness. He will comment on the Dairy Gold announcement of minimum contract prices for the 2023 protein bean crop. In the meantime, the Cork West ploughing results. We are joined on the farm programme by Ms Caroline Jennings, PRO for the Cork West Ploughing Association. Caroline, welcome to the programme. You have an update now on ploughing events in West Cork. I believe it's uh, results from the last match. Yes, it is, John, and thank you very much. Bandon Ploughing Association held their annual ploughing match last Monday, the 12th of February, on the lands of Derek and Victor Lovell, not Brown, in Bandon. The results are as follows. Senior conventional, first, Kieran Copley, 126 marks. Second, Jer Kirby, 120 marks. Third, Jim Grace, 118 marks. Fourth, John Murphy, 115 marks. The intermediate, first, John A. O'Donovan, 104 marks. Second, Sandy Dean, 101 marks. Third, David Walsh, 97 marks. Fourth, Jackie O'Driscoll, 94 marks. The under 28, first, Aidan O'Donovan, 104 marks. Second, Anne O'Donovan, with 102 marks. The under 21s, first, Noel Nine, 99 marks. Second, Jeff Witcherly, 98 marks. Three furrow. First, Matt Coakley, 104 marks. Second, Kevin O'Driscoll, 100 marks. Ladies, first, Stacey O'Sullivan, 109 marks. Second, Katie Hayes, 106 marks. Mokra, first, James Jennings, 104 marks. And second, Keen Harrington, 87 marks. The senior reversibles, first, Ger Coakley, 131 marks. Second, Liam O'Driscoll, 128 marks. Third, Michael Witcherly, 116 marks. And in the under 28, there was one competitor, Connor O'Farrell, with 94 marks. The three fur reversibles, first, Timmy Lawler, with 81 marks. And second, Patrick Buckley, with 80 marks. The vintage, two furrow. First, Phelan Cotter, 94 marks. Second, Jer Collins, 91 marks. Third, Mike Coomey, 90 marks. Fourth, Keen Ryan, 86 marks. Fifth, Dennis Commons, 85 marks. And sixth, Leslie Wolf with 77 marks. The novice hydraulic vintage. First, Padjo Donovan with 78 marks. And second, Sean McCarthy, 77 marks. In the vintage trailer, there was one competitor, John Wolf, and he got 106 marks. Also, in the single furrow, one competitor, Gordon Jennings with 93 marks. And we also had a loy competition on Sunday and the competitor there was Adrian Grace and he received 103 marks. The next match to be held, weather permitting, is Timmy League on tomorrow, Sunday, the 19th of February. It will be hosted on the lands of Colin and David Baseman, Barry's Hall, Timmy League. So this is near the Staunton Pig Factory. Flying will commence at 11am sharp and entries are to be with Kieran on 087-616-5600. Now that number again, 087-616-5600. By 12 noon, today, Saturday, the 18th of February. 
Okay, Chad. That's fine. Thank you very much indeed. Miss Caroline Jennings, PRO for the Cork West Ploughing Association. Next, the fortnightly Carberry Macroferma report. Hello, my name is Laura and I'm bringing you the Carberry Mocker News. Congratulations to the Clonakilty Mocker who won the Mocker Regional Round of the Impromptu Debating Competition recently. They now go through to the National Semi-Finals on the 4th of March. Vanilla Scarty Mocker would like to thank everyone who supported their Super Bowl club fundraiser recently. Details on the winners can be found on their social media pages. Clonakilty Mocker would like to thank everyone who attended their driving classes over the last few weeks. They hope everyone enjoyed it. And the classes are now finished. On Friday, the 24th of February, there will be a Carberry Mocker Regional Social Night hosted by Barry Moreau Mocker in the Courtmaster Sherry Hall. It starts from 8.30pm till late and all past, current and prospective members are welcome. On Saturday, the 25th of February, the national final of the Cabers competition will take place in the Era Oak GA Pavilion Ovens. It starts at 8pm and tickets are €15 euro and cash and card payments will be taken on the night. It's sure to be a great night of music, dance and comedy for all ages, so be sure to come along. So, as you can see, Mocker has something for everyone and with clubs located from Inishannon to Beira, there's bound to be one near you. So, if you are between the ages of 17 and 35 and interested in joining or would like some more information, please contact us through the Carberry Mocker social media pages on Facebook, Instagram and TikTok. Thank you, Laura Woods, for your fortnightly Macronaferma report from the Carberry region. It's been contended that a recent uh, controversial EPA Commission report had been taken out of context. That's according to two of its authors, whose comments are recorded in this week's edition of the Irish Farmers' Journal by Mr. Pat O'Toole, political editor. James Morn and Eamon Hoy from ATU, the Atlantic Technological University, pointed out this report was just one of a number of as yet unpublished reports which should be assessed only when taken in their entirety. Cuts of up to 30% in livestock numbers and rewetting of 90% of drained peatlands were referred to in the report. Next, a West Cork-based national farm leader comments on the controversial EPA report. We have Mr Dermot Kelleher, national president of ICSA, the Irish Cattle and Sheep Farmers Association. Dermot, welcome to the programme. Now, recently we saw the rather controversial EPA Commission report. What's your reaction to those people who would appear to want to have our national herd reduced substantially? Your reaction to this EPA report and other similar types of reports going in the same direction? My reaction is, John, and it was, that I'm very disappointed and I'm upset that there is a certain small cabal of very noisy people in this country who would be de- de- delighted to push this report down our throat. This is an internal report that was never even published. Just probably a leaked document. No. Agriculture is the biggest part of our national interest. We farmers can get to them and look after the climate. We're looking after biodiversity. We're looking after the, 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 the we're looking after the wild with years and generations before they ever became a buzzword. And I, I believe Germany and Europe, they are their core industry again because they need some core to the wall in Ukraine. No, in, in the, back along the, the several of the COP meetings, when they tried to talk about coal, Angela Merkel banged the table and said coal is our national interest. And I'm afraid that we have no TD or minister in Ireland stand up to bang the table and say, Agricultural produce is our national interest. We are not going to 
destroy it. But you see, there's another problem. The 25% production in agriculture is actually 5.75 megatons. They want to transport in sector to do 6 megatons, which is very similar. No. They want the 5.75 megatons to be covered by 100,000 farmers. Whereas the 6 megatons in transport would be covered by millions of people. The 7 megatons by ESP is going to cost 10 billion over until 2030. That would be paid for by their 2.3 million customers. So the 100,000 farmers must do the same as millions of people in transport and in the electricity. There's 125 billion to be spent in investment in Ireland up to 2030 to get out of missions. They say Ireland, and I call the biggest part of the problem, but they don't want to use some bob out of that kind of money. If they want farmers to do we do anything, but we'll have to get support. And there's another thing, John, about that report. They want to so much of the country be sat on the forest. What they will not tell you that a good managed pastor is sequestering as much or more carbon than citrus fruits. And citrus fruits have emissions of nitrous oxide and so on. Those carbons are beginning to study the emissions out of, out of these forests. Is that all? Sunshine and light here, because there are problems everywhere you go. And I, I, I maintain, I'm a software farmer. 25% of our land is what they call space for nature. We're very excellent to be stocked. I believe that I'm possibly carbon neutral. So what are they jumping up and down about? Any factory that's either working, John is polluting, or they're, they're, they're closed down. We're sequestering carbon as well as making carbon. We're the only crowd that have a positive and a negative side to copy book. There are indications that imports of food from Brazil into the European Union increased by 47% in 2022. And of course, in reality, as you were pointing out there and have done all along, reducing food production in Ireland will lead to, quote, carbon leakage as the foods will be produced in other countries as a higher environmental cost. Meanwhile, we risk devastating our sector with significant economic and social consequences. And that's, that's right. what you've said there earlier. You've emphasized again and again. Ireland is the most efficient producer of milk and meat, of dairy and beef and lamb and so on. We're the most efficient producers in the world of grass. And why stop us producing meat and give it to some country that can't produce it as efficiently for the climate? Meat is good, wholesome food. It's good for you. It's wholesome. It's not processed. And what is wrong with them? There's another report by the EPA, and no one has said anything about it, John. It was just, just, just published on water quality. And Cock County, which has by far the biggest amount of animals, I think we have 25% of the whole agricultural export of the country, have the cleanest water. Thank you very much indeed, Mr. Dermot Keller, ICSA Irish Cattle and Sheep Farmers Association National President. Thank you, Dermot. We can only hope that your very sincere efforts to bring the facts uh, to light will have some result. But thank you, Dermot, very much indeed. Thanks a million. Thanks very much, John. Joining us on the Dairy Gold uh, Farm Talk programme, Mr. Liam Leahy, Beef and Tillage Manager, Dairy Gold Agribusiness. First of all, Liam, welcome to the programme. Now, Dairy Gold have announced a minimum contract price for the 2023 protein bean crop. Yeah, uh, thanks, John, for uh, inviting me on. Um, 
Yes, uh, on Monday, our head of trading, Lehman Flaherty, um, announced a minimum contract price, as you rightly said, up to 85 euros a ton, 285 euros a ton. And as normal, this will be reviewed at harvest time uh, with view to support it for the, if the market allows for same. In the past year, we uh, issued a price of 265 uh, euros a ton last January. It was a few weeks earlier than this year. The market allowed us to do that. And eventually we ended up paying 355 because of many factors that happened over the last four months. I'm sure all, the, all listeners are aware of. So uh, we issued a price of 285. It's a minimum price to be looked at again next harvest. Um, but in any case, a core can be 100% happy that he's going to get that price for his beans now. And if not, he has to underwrite the decisions a lot of farmers have to make. And again, just to refer back to the comment that Dairy Gold's general manager, agribusiness, Mr. Liam O'Flaherty, made his comment, we are growing native uh, beans, and this is a valuable native protein and starch, and through offering this minimum contract price you refer to, you're seeking to support and encourage growers and give them clarity around the potential returns from growing beans. And of course, all the time, this allowing your dairy gold growers greater certainty when it comes to deciding on cropping plans for the coming season, as well as that there is some financial support from the Department of Agriculture, Food and the Marine for the protein bean crop, I understand, Liam. Beans are a very fundamental part of our business now in dairy gold. Um, but from uh, a mill ingredient that finds its way into our feeds, as it has a very positive carbon footprint, being a source of protein and starch being added, it's also very high in starch that's produced at home, which is obviously displacing uh, protein sources from around the world, some coming as far as South America even. But also it's worth noting that our growers, our tillage growers, have embraced the crop uh, very, very, very strongly as it's offering them the opportunity to rotate their land in a very sustainable way because they bring a multitude of benefits to the soil, the whole soil structure, the whole biology of the soil. I think this was very, a very strong message that we had at our tillage conference in recent weeks there in Corral. Uh Beans were a very strong part of the, uh, of the day's presentations. But quite rightly, as you're just trying to rotate through, John, uh, the Department of Agriculture have, for look, without getting into the figures of it, have more than doubled the potential support for the, uh, for the crop disher at farm level. Now, that is dependent on the area that's planted. But I think it's probably safe to assume that everyone should probably get the bones of 500 euros. There is a maximum of 700 euros, but 700 euros will, uh, will be paid if there's absolutely no increase over last year. No, I think there will be an increase. In fact, I know that there will be an increase. But if the area stayed at its at the same level as last year, everyone would probably get the bones of 700 euros an acre. In any case, irrespective to what area is planted, there's a floor of 300 euros in them. So I think doing the figures, it's very, very safe to assume that growers will take 500 euros an acre of a sub protein subsidy from the department, which is a great endorsement by our own department to promote the crop. And of course, no nitrogen. And I don't have to tell you the advantage at farm level that that means this year with the cost of that 
uh, particular element. So look, there's so many positives about it. Um, in the mill ourselves, we use beans very extensively. We use them in most of our feeds at this stage to some degree or other. Um, in our coarse feeds, they're a number one ingredient to go into them. They're very, very presentable, massive source of protein and starch, home produced, so it's ticking all the boxes. And even in, even in compound food, they help to make a very solid and palatable cube. So Coleman Purcellar, nutritionist in dairy world, values them very highly. And we, we could actually use nearly twice the beans we're getting now. And hopefully in the, over the next couple of years, it will grow into that type of, uh, of a supply to us and we will embrace them. Tillage growers in particular are worried about um, bans on glyphosate, bans on various insecticides. There was a visit to Brussels recently, which I think you'd like to talk about. Yes, there was a visit. No, there was a good news or bad news or, or no news. But um, Daring World is a strong member of the, the farm organization, which is the Federation of Agrochemical Retail Merchants. And we sent uh, a, a deputation to Brussels about 10 days ago now, uh, in a pre-arranged um, visit. Um, and I must say, uh, as, chairing the, the, as chairman of the group that travelled, we were, we were treated awfully well and very, 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 very... I was actually encouraged by the way we were treated and listened to. We were accommodated at all levels. Uh, our own MEPs we met over there. We asked for a meeting with five of them. And five of them turned up and gave us an hour, an hour and a half, and, ooh, and we're well-informed, may, uh, may I say. Now, that doesn't mean they're, they're able to shift the world by any manner of means, but they were certainly carrying the Irish, the Irish flag quite high in their shoulders. Uh, we then met with uh, DG Sante, that's the Department of Health and Environment within the EU body, who we met with the Deputy General of that particular department, which is a very, very senior person, with her two uh, colleagues. And I must say, I was astonished of the level of knowledge and awareness that they had of the Irish position ever before we opened our, our case. Now, we made a case for the Irish industry. And industry, I mean merchants, importers, and most of all, the producers of food, that's farmers, that we needed a sustainable industry, an industry that could evolve in a very, we'll say, meaningful and structured way that things wouldn't be imposed on us without having alternatives. And by that, I think we got a very good hearing. They were very willing to listen to us, gave us an hour and a half of a meeting, and thanked us for being there. And like I said at the outside, they are very well informed. And I think with a bit of continuous negotiation and pressure from the various bodies that talk to these people, particularly around the Department of Agriculture, I think we will get this over the line. But it's, it's a big task. There are going to be obstacles to be challenged. But I was pleasantly surprised that they are willing to listen and listen to common sense, not in a confrontational way, but maybe in a more constructive way. So, yes, John, look, I, I think our visit was well worth it. I'm not saying we're going to shift to change the world, but we certainly got a hearing. And I think that was positive from the, from the start to finish. So, yes, John, we had a good meeting, I think. I think it was a well-worked business.
even general knowledge now, people are saying, unless it's done in a very, very special, careful way, all, all tilling is bad, all ploughing is bad. So you're getting to a, a frightening situation where it would appear that just about everything in farming is suspect. But at the same time, you have these billions more people coming on who need food, we can produce it, etc. So in that respect, to go to Brussels and find that all our MEPs, because that's often a worry that there are MEPs who are out of touch, but apparently all of the Irish MEPs mess with you. The key European Union people mess with you. You were given a good hearing. And vis-a-vis the SUD, Sustainable Use Development um, you know, Directive, that is something that is understood. Once it's understood, well, then there's hope for reason to prevail. Yes, I look, I, I think, John, that's a very fair way of summing it up. Like, the other challenges are, you, look, we can't argue against some of the pesticides that they are. Like, the way they rate pesticides is there's a national chemistry there that, that agriculture use on a daily basis. And some of them are more, can I use the word I don't like using, possibly more toxic than others. And these, these are the products that they're challenging deeply. They want to remove those from the marketplace. They have no notion of moving, of taking the, the, all our chemicals away. No, but they want to take certain ones that they rate as very damaging to our environment. And we can't argue against that. As both as farmers, both as merchants, in any respect, we can't argue against that. But let it be done in an evolving way that we have another piece of chemistry that will slip into its place because... Whatever about the industry being sustainable, farmers must be made sustainable and continue to be sustainable, allow our environment. I mean, if, if that doesn't happen, the wheels stop turning and food becomes a big, big issue. And they are clinically aware of that. And they assured us in many respects that they were working with several bodies of people and they will get it right. But I suppose in the position they're in, they got to be seen to be forcing the thing a little bit too. But no, I felt, I, I certainly had a different viewpoint going out than I had coming home. And I hopefully that they will get it right. But look, there is going to be a bit of change. There is going to be a little bit of pain. But we can all live in change once it's done in a measured and a controlled way. And that's all we're asking for, that the farmer remains sustainable at the end of the day. I suppose Ireland as a country maybe stand to be a bit more at risk than other countries. Look, we produce some of the highest yields in the world of, of tillage crops. But on the back of that, we have some of the highest input systems as well. Let that be chemical fertilizer. Let it be plant protection products. Yes, we do have a high input system and a high output system. And unfortunately, we have to have a high output system to protect our growers because they're working at very narrow margins. So yield is what gives them margin. Yield is what gives them a living. If we start losing pesticides that are not being replaced by other products, there is a real danger that these yields will collapse and the farm don't become sustainable. Now, that basically means food is not produced. That's the long and the short way. They are, they are well aware of that. And I think that there are a lot of things happening behind the scenes to address that in a very constructive way. And certainly we were making the case for it. And certainly they did listen. And they were well able to converse on us. Plus, it's something that they thought about five minutes before we came in the door. So, you know, I, I, I'd, be reasonably, I'd be reasonably hopeful that we will have a satisfactory solution to this whole topic within the next 
number of months. I think there will be a fairly substantial statement made on this within the next, by the end of June, maybe early July. They did make one comment that the Higher Commission Office would have a very strong opinion on the future direction of this whole regulation with relation to the food production capacity of Eastern Europe. Because if that becomes an issue and a concern that food becomes a real issue, they will, for a better word, reduce the risk by taking too many products too quickly as it may reduce food production too quickly. And they're very much aware and wing of that. So, you know, look, they are good. They, they, they are very learned people. And I'd, I'd be confident that they will get this right. Type 4 chemistry come in from outside Europe. They come in from non-EU bodies. Um, South America, North America, all those type of countries. Like, we are importing cereals. Come into Cork, come into Limerick every day of the year. Cereals, size, those. They are produced with different technologies. They are produced with different chemistries. I'm not for one minute saying there's anything wrong with those pieces, or with those uh, ingredients. I'm not in a position to say it, and I'm not going to say it. But what I'm saying is they're produced in a more, in a cheaper way because those growers have access to cheaper and different pesticides and technologies. For us to compete with that, we need a level playing pitch. Now, I don't mean that we want to go away using chemicals that are uh, unhealthy. Either ban those, those products coming into the EU, a produce from crops that were produced to those products, or allow us new and more innovative technologies, such as gene editing. That's one that's very high in the agenda within the EU. And there will be a statement on it very soon. And I think it may well be favorable. And that would, in some respects, allow certain chemicals to be displaced because you can influence the health of a plant in a different way. We are, as a body and as a, as a country, we are not advocating that we need to use some of those lesser kind chemicals. But what we are asking is to be given the opportunity to replace them with chemicals that, we, that are known to be better. And that has to be done in a controlled and timely way rather than the whole thing pushed upon people because then the production will crash. So, you know, I think it's about going on a journey together. Would you please remind our listeners of the details regarding that statement from uh, Dairy Gold regarding the protein bean crop price? Yeah, um, again, yeah, just on Monday, the board uh, by the general manager of the train division, Lima Flatty, announced that they were putting a minimum contract price of 285, 285 euros per ton, at 30% moisture on all beans for the coming harvest. That price will be reviewed at harvest time and may be supported further uh, at that time, depending on the market of the relevant commodities. In the case of this year, that was supported by a whopping 90 euros over our contract price last year. Uh, we'll be using that as a benchmark, but the 285 will be reviewed for the coming harvest and we see it may well be supported further. But at any, in any case, growers can do their figures now at a definite 285 euros done for the coming year. That's wonderful. Thank you very much indeed, Mr. Liam Leahy, Beef and Tillage Manager, Dairy Gold Agribusiness. Thank you, Liam, for your very valuable time. Thanks a million. No pleasure, John. Thank you. You're welcome. 
Joining us on the farm programme, we have Mr. Adrian O'Callaghan, Dairy Advisor with Chagaskin Mallow. Adrian, welcome to the programme. Grass and grazing targets for your clients in Chagaskin, our farmer listeners in general. Yeah, thank you, John. Yeah, um, so look, I suppose at the moment we have excellent grazing conditions and, and trafficability outside. So I suppose at this stage we'd be um, hoping that most farmers have cows out either by day or by day and by night. So I suppose just as a, a quick refresher, um, I suppose we look, we're looking for people to follow the spring rotation planner, um, what that is. In its simplicity is that we're trying to graze 1% of the farm per day for the, the month of February, so that the target for February is, is 30% grazed by the 1st of March. And for March then, we're trying to graze 2% a day, so that we graze 60% of the farm in, in, in the month of March. So, look, as I said, excellent grazing conditions. So I suppose the, the target for the, the next... Uh, the next few two weeks um, would be that you'd you'd try while the weather is dry that you'd graze your your difficult paddocks maybe the ones that are are a little wetter of nature while the weather is dry you try and get into them and graze them and maybe the ones with the poor access that you try and get them grazed while the weather is good as well because the ones with the with the good access and, and good roadways and stuff you'd be trying to keep them um, maybe if the weather uh, turns um, poorer in 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 the next few weeks um, so. Just an overview, look, um, I suppose we have less grass on the farm, on farms at this stage compared to other years. Um, on pasture base, the average farm cover is somewhere in the region of 750. Um, and I suppose we should be probably up at 950 or 1,000 kgs of dry matter per hectare. So there is less grass on farms. And I suppose the reason for that was really just the back end of 2022 was very wet. So we lost grass there. It rotted in, in, while it was sitting in wet conditions. And then with the, the frosty conditions in late December, early January, minus four, five, six, that kind of temperature, we lost more grass there as well. So we're opening opening farms with with less grass, I suppose, and, and, and I suppose that'll have implications once we get into to March. There'll be more suppl- supplementation that'll have to go in. But overall, I think people, while the dry weather is there, they should aim to get cows out, uh, get them out at least by day, and in, uh, in some places... Um, if the if the ground conditions allow, we should be going day day and night, knowing that um, if the weather changes, at least we'll have um, we'll 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 have the the two percent targets achieved um, in March. So look, um, probably around fifteen percent of the farm should be grazed at this stage. So that's just a target, um, I suppose, for for people. Um, the other few bits then, as you graze the ground, I suppose, look, there is an opportunity now to spread lime. Um, the ground you're grazing today won't be grazed again for two months. Um, so people that need to spread lime have an opportunity now. And I suppose people with with high clover in fields, uh, I suppose, look, you'd be aiming to graze that now as well um, so that you can uh, graze the grass off and give light to the clover so that uh, it doesn't come under pressure from heavy covers. So look, uh, overall, that's the, the grass situation and just trying to get people to, I know they're very busy with workload, but take advantage of the of the excellent grazing conditions while we have it. Keep grazing a while. I think we'd monitor once we get to the end of February to start the march then. At that stage, it's time to walk the farm again and monitor how much grass you have available at that stage and, and then um, proportion out what grass you have in the month of March versus what you, you've, you've achieved when, uh, when, with the figure you get from what, the, what you walk at the, uh, in the March so that you can get... 
you don't run out of grass and you get to the first week of April with at least some grass in the cow's diet um, every day in March. Turning now to something, uh, tremendous change, fertiliser strategy, the cost of fertiliser and uh, problems in getting a firm price into the future. People are realising slurry and other so-called waste products. They can be used. Fertiliser strategy overall, Adrian. We're, we're back on the amount of grass that's on farms this spring, so... Really, the, a lack of nitrogen is only going to limit the, the grass growth more. So that's the first point, really, I suppose, that um, in, a, in this current spring, um, we now are in good conditions whereby fields are, are trafficable. Uh, we have a spell of dry weather, so we should be thinking about going out and spreading nitrogen. The other point in, as you said already, like urea is probably 850, 900 euros a tonne. Um, so we need to get the response for the investment we put in. So like if urea is costing 900 euros, we need to get a response rate of 15 kgs of dry matter of grass grown for every kg of nitrogen we spread. So really, like while early end is beneficial, I, um, I suppose the incorrect application or, the, or, or spreading it at the wrong time is wasteful. And we, we have to, to kind of balance that whole thing. Like So the strategy really is, is threefold. We want to maximise the grass, the grass production uh, that we can grow in the spring. We want to ensure when we spread it, we get a response rate for what we spread, uh, while still bearing in mind that uh, we don't want to, 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 we want to reduce losses to, to the environment. So I suppose really the strategy going forward for most farms at this stage should be that for the month of February, uh, we should be looking at spreading 40 to 50 percent of the farm with slurry and slurry only in so far as we're going to get 20 units of nitrogen, 20 to 23 units of nitrogen back from that slurry. And uh, that's sufficient at that stage. Then, then that's sufficient for that 40 percent. I suppose the question will be, where is that 40 percent on the farm? Well, it's the 40 percent of the farm that has the lowest covers. You'll, that's the ground you'll be grazing from. Patrick's Day to the to the first or the second week of April. So, like low covers, that's probably been spread already. And the other ten or fifteen percent of the farm then that you can target slurry towards is the ten or fifteen percent of the farm that you've grazed up to today in the first two weeks of February. So, slurry then will do that job on that that fifty percent of the farm. The other fifty percent of the farm then, uh, I suppose we're we're saying a half a bag of urea, protected urea if you have it. Um, and, and that area then is the ground that you're going to grace from today to Patrick's Day uh, because you're going to go into higher covers from now on and that's just not going to be suitable for slurry. So we have to spread fertiliser there. Um, and at that stage then, the full farm uh, will have got either slurry or fertiliser. Um, I suppose the one thing just to note when we talk about urea, we have to watch the interactions with lime um, if you spread lime in the last few weeks, well, you don't want to be spreading straight urea. Protected urea is okay, but not straight urea. And I suppose other considerations to take into account is um, weather forecasts. Look, we want we we don't want to lose this. It's costing a lot of money. So, 48 hours dry weather after spreading, uh, we want ground ground or ground temperatures to be five degrees or higher and rising. And that's important, not just five degrees on the day you're spreading it, five degrees and rising. And I took the soil temperature this morning. Uh, we take it every day here in the office and look, we're roughly eight or nine degrees at the moment. So well, temperatures are good and high that, that, that the nitrogen will be taken up and used. 
the side, the ground needs to be trafficable. You you don't want to do damage. I suppose we need to be conscious of the buffer margins along watercourses that we need to stay out somewhere in the region of two or three metres out from watercourses. And I suppose you want to target the fields then with nitrogen that are going to give you the best response. So what fields are they? The receded ones, the drier fields, um, the ones with good high soil fertility. They'll all give you a better response for the nitrogen that you put out. So really, I know there's a lot there, but I suppose that's kind of the strategy you'd be you'd be you'll be looking at. Thank you, Adrian, very much indeed. Thanks a million. Pleasure, John. Thank you. Joining us on the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme, we have Mr Philip O'Connor, Head of Farming at IFAC. First of all, Philip, welcome to the programme. Thank you very much, John, for having me on this morning. Um, I suppose IFAC stands for Irish Farm and Accountants Association. So we're a financial services company dealing in accounts and so forth um, across the country for farmers. The IFAC Irish Farm Report 2023 could you highlight some of the main findings as set out in your report? Yeah, I suppose um, it's, it's a, we ask our farmers and the wider farming public what their thoughts on various topics are. So, like, I mean, the key findings we felt this year was, like, um, 75% of farmers, their biggest concern by far was rising input prices. And this plan is not really surprised there. When we did this, that stat last year, it was 65%, so it's up again in last year. Um, other key stats, I suppose, considering the region we're talking about here in Cork, nitrates. We asked farmers how the nitrates banding is going to infect them. And 35% haven't actually checked. And this survey was done over, up to over Christmas. So, yeah, that was a bit concerning, that that, that level of farmers, because nitrates is, is an issue. And that the fact that a high percentage of farmers hadn't actually looked at it yet is a bit concerning. Um, other ones would be succession. It's a, it's a topic that never goes away. And 64% of our farmers don't have a successor in place. So they were the three ones that I I had picked out myself personally as were interesting statistics on the survey. Planning, etc. Did the report find that any substantial percentage of Irish farmers felt greater financial planning, budgeting and borrowing would increase their prospects of being a profitable organisation, a profitable farm? Well, 53% of farmers said that they don't actively budget. And that's something we work with closely with our farmers in IFAC to try and address that. Because, like, I mean, as I said, there are 75% to worry about prices. You they mentioned a few things there, John, yourself. This week already, we are seeing land prices have, have dropped significantly. And a number of crops have already come out with milk price drops of up to five, six cents. So margins are going to get tighter. Like, So we, we try to work with our clients when you when you when you talk about statistics like this and high input prices and dropping output prices and so forth, you really need to go back and apply it to your farm. So, yeah, high fertilizer price. How is that going to affect you? Like when you go out and buy fertilizer, or the, the drop in price, how is that going to affect you? So, how does it how does it work for you and your farm and your finances? Because um, every farm is different, whether they have loans or drawings or taxes or so. It's 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 really to apply. When you read these reports, how, how is it going to impact me? Succession, a very difficult uh, subject to broach because sometimes families are afraid to be the first one to mention succession. Have you any idea of the percentages of farmers who would have a structured pension plan in place, for example, or the fair deal scheme? We know how volatile that is. It's in the news the whole time about various aspects of the fair deal scheme. 
So, in succession, could you point out some of the relevant percentages which your report shows in terms of people's attitude and position vis-à-vis succession? Yeah, well, it's, we found that 64% of farmers didn't have a succession plan, a successful in place. And the biggest reason when we asked them why they didn't, they feed the business is not viable enough for the next generation. And it's always been an issue across farming, asset rich and cash poor. Um, and I suppose where we, we, we try to work with farmers on it is, look, the, the, your, your farm is valuable. Like, I mean, there's a report out recently there about the average value of land is 12,000 euros an acre, 80 acres, the average size farm. So it is a substantial asset and it does need to be planned and thought about how you do it. So we would always say that good communication amongst the family, uh, surrounded by good professional advice about how best these plans will work, is is the best way to go succession. But you're right, John, the succession is not simple. It, it can be a very emotive topic. Um, it shouldn't be rushed. And it's, I think communication is really important in, in how you're dealing. And I think communication among spouses, if you know what I mean, t- talking to your partner and going, what, well, what do they think? Like not, not taking it all upon yourself to go, God, I figured out all this on my own. In terms of employment and getting experienced farm workers, farm labour, there have been reports, particularly in the Irish Farmers Journal, they've looked into it, and there is a scarcity of workers. Very hard to get people to work on farms. Now, a number of uh, special visas have been issued for people from abroad, and the feedback is that generally farm workers, experienced farm workers from overseas, even outside the European Union, they are very, very good indeed. Great reports back. Did the report show the need for a structured apprenticeship scheme something we could build on? Well, we didn't go into that level, I suppose, really on, on the report, but we did ask uh, farmers how they deal with employees and, and issues they're having. And they say nearly one third of them are saying they're struggling to find employees. That, that's the biggest issue. It's, it's, it's to get them in. And look, that would be probably reflected across a lot, more, a lot of business sectors. In, in Ireland, I mean, we, we look at hospitality industry, lots of industry industries, and farming is no different. Like you touched on some of the solutions there yourself, John, there's regards looking outside of you. But when you, you start getting in employees from outside the EU, you're talking about visas, you do need good, strong professional advice to make sure you do that correctly. There is a lot of commitments and legal requirements to make sure you do that correctly, if you know what I mean. You, you don't want to get inadvertently get yourself into any issues. So it is it is important that when you're, and even when you employ an employee on your own farm, making sure your contract's and you're meeting all your legal and obligations and how you, you look after and treat your, your employees in the farm. Mr. Philip O'Connor, Head of Farming Support at IFAC, could I ask you, have you any contact phone numbers where people in Cork in particular could uh, contact local offices? We do. That succession booklet is actually still available on our website. And I think we, we've, we've 30 odd offices across the country before in Cork. We, we went up and up to Skibbereen. And if you go onto our website, you'll, you'll see any of those contact details or email or direct telephone numbers or, or Twitter links and so forth like that. So as I say, the best place to get even the report or that succession report you mentioned there or contact details is our website, www.ifac.ie. Philip O'Connor, Head of Farm Support at IFAC, thank you for your patience and your valuable time. Thank you very much indeed, Philip. Thanks a million. Thank you very much, Senator. Pleasure being on. Dairy Gold confirms the January milk price. Dairy Gold, sponsor of our programme Farm Talk, has reduced the January quoted milk price by six cents per litre to 52 cents per litre.
based on standard constituents of 3.3% protein and 3.6% butterfat, inclusive of sustainability and quality bonuses and VAT. In addition, the January early calving bonus of 3.15 cents per litre, including VAT, will be paid on milk supplied in January in accordance with milk quality criteria. Therefore, milk supplied in January that qualifies for the early calving bonus will have a quoted milk price of 55.15 cents per litre. The January milk price equates to an average January farm gate milk price of 64.2 cents per litre based on average January milk solids achieved by Dairy Gold milk suppliers. The quoted milk price for January based on EU standard constituents of 3.4% protein and 4.2% butterfat is 56.7 cents per litre. A company spokesperson commented that dairy market prices had weakened considerably in recent months, caused by an increase in global milk supplies and reduced demand driven by higher inflation. Weakened dairy market conditions would continue, the spokesperson said, to impact milk price over coming months. The Dairy Gold Board would continue to monitor markets closely and review milk price on a month-by-month basis. And that's the Farm Talk programme for now. I'm John O'Connor. Thanks to our contributors, Barry O'Mahony, 96.3 FM News Editor, Murray Tuig, 96.3 FM News Reporter and News Reader, also creator of the Farm Talk podcasts, Laura Wood's fortnightly macro report from the Carberry region, Caroline Jennings, PRO Cork West Ploughing Association. And we appreciate especially you, the listener, for tuning in to Farm Talk 7am to 8am on Saturday, 10pm to 11pm on Wednesdays. Farm Talk on C103 with Dairy Gold. Choose Gold Performance Pack. Includes biotin, yeast and protected minerals to reduce lameness, boost milk solids and fertility.